Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good evening and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host. And tonight, I want to talk about the importance of healing from past toxic relationships before starting something new and the consequences that could arise from not healing before you jump into a new relationship. Tonight, I'm joined by someone who can share plenty of insight into tonight's topic. My guest uh, this week is Dr. Nancy Lee. She's been on the show before, and I absolutely love her and her expertise in this area. She is a clinical psychologist based out of Beverly Hills, uh, a leading practitioner of cognitive behavioral therapy, and the author of Don't Sleep With Him Yet. A Badass Guide to Dating in 10 Empowering Steps. Tonight, we're going to be discussing how you can recognize past traumas that are still affecting you, the effects of starting a new relationship when you haven't dealt with the triggers that come from from these, and how you can start to heal so that you can start fresh again. (laughs) So thanks again for joining me, Dr. Nancy. How's it going? Wonderful. I'm sitting here looking at bright sunshine out the window. I'm thrilled to have this discussion with you. I love you, Laura. You're a fantastic person and host, so I'm just so happy to be here. Aw, well, let's get right to it. So, so many people who have been in a toxic relationship may not realize that they're still holding on to the things that really hurt them in the past, you know, things that really hinder future relationships. So how can you take a step back to reflect on these relationships and and, and how they may still be affecting you? Great question. Understanding the psychology and the dynamics of a breakup Okay, so any past relationship that's broken up, whether it's toxic or even whether it was a healthy relationship, but maybe your partner just dumped you, okay, you really want to look at the concept of loss. So in psychology, emotionally, loss is the most painful emotion that human beings experience. It's more intense than any emotion. It's more intense than anger. It's more intense than envy. It can be more intense than joy. So when you look about, when you look at loss, think about grief. If you were grieving the death of a loved one, okay, and let's add an element of tragedy. Say it was a tragic death, right? We're talking about a toxic relationship. So the parallels here, if you were grieving a tragic death, you're not going to be really up to your best self until you get past that grief process process. That there's a parallel for a relationship as well. When you were grieving the loss of a relationship, when you were looking at that, when you were looking at things that contributed to that toxicity, right? Why that relationship was was so negative and detrimental to you. There's a whole process involved. Getting to the other side of it is really important so that you bring your best Self to the new to a new relationship or to just dating in general, even before you jump into a relationship. Yeah, makes so much sense. Now, now, can people get over grief on their own, or do you think you know they they will always need help with that? Is it possible to do it on your own? 
It's such a good question. Um, not to put myself and other therapists out of out of business, but what science says that if we if we do nothing, meaning no therapy, no journaling, no reading articles, no reading Dr. Lee's book with the chapter on how to let go and move on, um, it would take us between about six months and a year to grieve, to move, to move on on one's own. However, getting therapy will expedite the process. So instead of, for you, it would normally take eight months. You can shorten that, say, maybe half. Maybe then it'll be four months. So as much therapy and work on yourself as you can do will definitely expedite the process. Yeah, thanks for that. Now, let's talk about the triggers that that you have as a result of issues in past relationships. It can be hard to recognize these triggers, you know, if we haven't dealt with them. You can still find yourself reacting to certain things, you know, regardless of whether or not the situation is the same or even negative. How can you start to recognize these triggers and the way that they affect you? Like, what, what can we do to start leaving these in the past? Because really, we, we just, we, you know what I mean? Like, we just don't want to deal with those triggers in new relationships because triggers may happen. So how can we deal with them? So, okay, really interesting question. So remember, a trigger can also work both ways, Laura. So a trigger can be a red flag in some regard, which is where, okay, your past relationship taught you something and you don't want to make the same mistake or fall into the same trap, but a trigger can also be very innocuous and just something where, wait a minute, am I reacting badly to something innocuous? So a, a good way to tease those two apart is the concept of whether something is reasonable. It's a really important word in psychology. It's also used a lot in law. But if you're experiencing a trigger, okay, so I'm going I'm to give you an example. Um, this is an example that I love to give, right? So you were on a date. Let's call it a really early date, and you're having dinner with you're having dinner with a partner, your potential partner. And mm-hmm. let's, okay, sorry, I'm a woman, so let's make, let's make the man the culprit. Sorry, guys out there. But the guy <laughs> is just on his cell phone the whole evening. Mm-hmm. And, and you become triggered, okay? Now, you want to say to yourself, and, and by triggered, I mean you become upset. You have that feeling in the pit of your stomach like something's not right. So ask yourself the question, is it reasonable to be upset that my partner is paying absolutely no attention to me and they're on their cell phone all night? In this case, yes, it is reasonable, right? Because it's rude. So that key word reasonable can be really powerful and helpful. I'll give you another example. Say, okay, early stages, early stages of dating and you know again for the woman a guy that you're dating doesn't necessarily compliment you you've you've spent all this time on your appearance and um he do, he doesn't compliment you and you're <sighs> triggered now mm-hmm. okay i hear this guy laura <laughs> 
I'm sorry, I hear the sigh. Okay, but okay. Now, in this case, you've just begun dating, so is it reasonable to be triggered? It's right at the beginning, so not really. Maybe he's shy. Maybe he's somebody who doesn't give compliments. Now, that said, if you're dating the same person for eight months and he never compliments you, then that trigger is reasonable. So you see the, di- you see the difference, right? Mm-hmm. So in a past relationship, maybe your boyfriend never complimented you. So this is a year-long or years-long relationship. Flash forward, you're on a first or second date, and the guy isn't complimenting you. That's where a past relationship is triggering you, and the word reasonable is so valuable because you can say, wait, is this reasonable or is it not? You see the difference with those two scenarios? Oh, definitely. Now, what if your partner says something that triggers you, right? Okay. Or or they do something that triggers you. How do we deal with it? Well, let's just use the example that you just gave. Uh, Every time you go out with this new person, they're constantly on their phone and it so irritates you. But you see a future with this person because everything else seems to align, but you're triggered. So how do you deal with it in that situation? Perfect, Laura. So you call out the behavior. Obviously, tactfully and kindly, tone is so important. It's, it's almost more important how we say something than what's said. But again, you look at you look at this guy that you're dating and you say, you know, you're it really seems like you're on your phone all the time. I don't know if you realize it, but you're on your phone a lot like when we're on a date. Okay, a guy who really cares about you and is empathetic and is maybe looking to keep dating you will say, hey, babe, wow, I didn't realize I was doing that. Thank you. A guy who is more on the manipulative side will say, you're always complaining, hey, you're always complaining or criticizing and try to shut you down. So you see also the, the difference in that dynamic. So again, looking at your triggers, is it reasonable? This is a very reasonable trigger. Somebody is being rude, right? They're not attending to, like on a date, honestly, all we expect from one another is give them your, give each other our undivided attention. And this can be, by the way, I'm married. This can be dating my husband. I don't want to be, there was, there was one night at dinner, we were on like a date with one another and I was just I was on my phone too much, and my husband called me out on it, and I was like, oh, my God, I apologize. I didn't realize I was doing that. Yeah, I think it's important to speak up because your partner's not a mind reader, and they may not realize their behavior and what they're doing and what they're saying is actually triggering you. So, you know, please, like, you know, instead of backing away and pushing away from a person, speak, speak. Give them the opportunity to make it right. Yeah, guys, come on. We have to learn how to communicate. We need to take a break. We're going to continue with this amazing conversation. And, you know, we're also going to go into how you can recognize old wounds that might be holding you back and so much more. Stay with us, guys. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca. 
on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show, guys. You're listening to AM640. I'm Laura Bellotta, joined by my guest, Dr. Nancy Lee, an incredible psychologist out of Beverly Hills. I just love her. Uh, she joins my stages on Clubhouse as well, and uh, I, I just always uh, appreciate her her input. Now, let's get back to our conversation here. Um, if you're in a new relationship and think that, you know, you've gotten past things that have happened previously, there's still a chance that an old wound is at play and it's keeping you from fully exploring this new relationship. How can you recognize an old wound that might be holding you back? You look at What's giving you the visceral reaction? And what I mean by that is we feel emotions physically as well. So we have, in terms of this is a bit of an oversimplification, but it's helpful. So in terms of like the way our brain works, right, we have our strategy, what's called our executive functioning, where it's logic. We think things through. We also have the emotional side of our brain where we feel things. So typically in a romantic relationship, a new one or an ongoing one, we're going to feel things emotionally before we start thinking about it logically. So once you start feeling those things that bother you, that's where you step back, you apply logic and you think, okay, am I feeling this because of, you know, just because of, it doesn't even have to be a past relationship. It can be a trigger from your childhood or just from a, from a dynamic that you experienced with one of your parents. Um, But you really look at that and try to say, wait a minute, does this make sense? Is this reasonable for me to experience? Is this is this something that I need to bring up with my partner? Sometimes it is, and sometimes you'll be able to talk yourself through it, come out on the other side and realize, wait a minute, this is not necessarily about your partner, but it's really about you. Can I give you an example? Yes, of course. Okay. Say that you broke up because you were cheated on. Okay, Mm -hmm. so now you're dating somebody new and there's just like he gets again, sorry, guys out there, I'm making the men the culprit, but he gets a call from a female coworker and you immediately start feeling like very emotional and very like, oh, who is that and what's going on? So, again, in this case, you can talk yourself through it. Yes, I was cheated on, but this is just, I've dated this guy two weeks, and he gets a call from a female coworker. It really isn't reasonable for me to bring that up or make it an issue. Okay, different scenario. You're now with your, you know, same boyfriend. It's six, mo- it's six months, eight months in, and you start noticing texts from the same coworker and the texts are coming at 2 a.m., right? Not exactly <gasps> your typical work time. <laughs> no. You have a really bad feeling. Would it be reasonable to bring this up? Absolutely, right? Because, hey, come on. 
So you see the difference with those two. Same person, the person you have been cheated on. I'm not saying you, Laura. I'm just, this is a hypothetical. Person, woman has been cheating on, cheated on. Um, she's, she's, that's an issue for her. So you look at a trigger where it can be absolutely innocuous and, okay, you talk yourself down. Or there's a trigger where, you know, this is really reasonable to tell my partner, like, to, to bring it up. And also, you know, in, look, in a loving, compassionate, empathetic relationship, we can talk about our triggers even before they become triggers. So somebody who is cheating, che- has been cheated on can actually tell their partner, you know, I've been cheated on. That's what happened in my, in my past relationship. So I'm going to be really sensitive to that, to, to those kinds of things. Like bear with me. Does does that help clarify? That, that does help. Now, what, what if you are bringing this up to your partner at 2 AM because this person's texting, like, you know, many of us would, would want to, um, you know, react in like a, harsh way like who are you talking to why are you talking to them it's 2 a.m right is that the right way to go about it dr nancy how should we approach this again this is probably the most difficult part because we're human and our knee jerk is to be like what the f is going on it's 2 a.m and (laughs) sarah is in your you know is in your text so no again taking that pause sometimes it helps to take a breath or two and you know what, babe, like what's going on? Um, think about think about tone, Laura, regardless of whether it's a romantic relationship or a relationship with a friend or a coworker, if something somebody is coming at you with some somebody is coming at you with an angry, intimidating tone, you're going to immediately be on the defensive, right? You're not even going to hear what's being said. You're gonna go into protect self protective mode. If somebody is is talking to you and they sound calm and reasonable, that is not going to put you on the defensive. That's going to lead to conflict resolution and really looking at what the issue is at hand and not feeling like you're being attacked. I love all of that. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I share that same information with my clients as well. Now, as a result of trauma and past relationships, okay, a lot of us put up this armor as a way to protect ourselves from getting hurt again. And we have a hard time breaking this down. So what are some of the issues that can come from this? And, and how can we start letting go of it? You know? Okay. Well, let's start with the issues first. Let's start with the issues. Uh, Because I know fear is a big one, for example, but I'll let you go. And then I might chime in here. Okay, so one, you know, something that's come up in a lot of discussions I've been having with patients is emotional brainwashing as an issue, okay? Mm -hmm. So somebody came out of a relationship, and this this can be so traumatic, where they really lost a sense of who they were. They started almost doubting their own reality. They started losing their confidence. 
and gratefully they did come out of that relationship because often when people are in those very controlling relationships, they remain stuck. But flash forward, they're starting to date. They're starting to really explore a new relationship. It's so important that that person understands the dynamics of what I just said, like the manipulation and the brainwashing, so they don't fall prey to that again. So really looking at the dynamics of where a relationship went south, whether it is manipulation or brainwashing or just simply two people were on the different page in their life, right? That's innocuous. That's not harmful. It's, but it can be traumatic because maybe you were really dedicated to the relationship, you know, and, and the other person was not. Um, so that can be traumatic, right? You saw a future. Um, I was working with a woman and she'd been living, actually, I, I give an example of this in my book, but something came up recently. Also, like a woman had been living with um, her boyfriend for seven years. Um, she was convinced that they were you know, going to get married and have kids by their discussions. And one day he was like, you know what? I care about you, but I'm not in love with you and, and, and was done. Like that's traumatic, even though it wasn't a form of manipulation, but it was really traumatic. Now, fear is this big issue and it, it happens at a subconscious level. Uh, especially when your your past relationships have left you scars, you know, um, you, you're always going to move away from what you fear. It's how we stay safe as humans. And if you don't take that time to heal, the fear is going to affect your future, right? For So for example, if you were cheated on, you can be very suspicious or controlling with anyone that you date, which can cause unnecessary problems, which you just gave an example of, right? How can we begin to overcome this fear? It's such an excellent point. I'm really glad you brought that up because in psychology, we don't want to have our behavior dictated by fear and avoidance. It keeps us really stuck. So that's where that grieving process comes in again, making sure like I'm ready to start exploring, not to maybe dive back into the deep end of a relationship. Hello, title of my book, Don't Sleep With Him Yet, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe not like diving in and going full on naked with, you know, literally and metaphorically, right? Um, And figuratively sleeping with somebody, getting attached right away, but taking smaller steps so that you can feel safe and secure as like that fear starts to subside. It's an excellent point, Laura. I, and I love your answer. And, and cause I always preach that too. Like just take your time getting to know someone. Like what's the rush? I understand well, it's exciting. We're bored. We want this, but we don't know this person. You don't know them. I know it feels good in the moment, but think about the future. Protect yourself. Protect your heart. Right, right, Dr. Nancy? I mean... Oh, gosh, yes. There's so many reasons. And also women get really attached. Um, we, we You know, when we sleep with somebody, even if it's somebody we, we don't necessarily know, there's, you know, it's nature's way of pair bonding us with a mate. 
So if you're diving in and sleeping with somebody, there's so many other reasons like that, you know, psychology like says, no, no, no. But if you're diving in and sleeping with somebody, then it also brings that fear more to the forefront because you are really attached. So from the from the get-go, that fear, which you had mentioned, is, is going to resurface because you don't want to lose that person. If you, if you wait with the, um, with the physical intimacy and to an extent the emotional intimacy as well, then you're gradually getting to know a person and you're building trust. So you're able mm-hmm. to see, is this person somebody that I, can, that, that I can feel safe with, that if this is what you want, that I can build a future with, that I can build a commitment with, so that fear will gradually subside as you build trust and you really get to know who it is that you're dating. And just a scientific fact, oxytocin is a chemical that is released in both men and women after we have sex, right? But in different doses. Uh, women, we tend to receive more of a dose, right? They call this the cuddle hormone, and it's what drives us crazy. <laughs> um, One of them. We've got like this whole plethora of these neurotransmitters and hormones, but yes, oxytocin is the cuddle chemical. Um, it's released in both men and women, different degrees. Um, it it keeps us a att- cuddle chemical keeps us attached to a romantic partner. By the way, it's also released in a 22-second hug. So be careful of who you're giving your hugs to. Um, but, but seriously, we, you know, just a, a, a digression for a moment during COVID, a lot of people experienced touch deprivation where they became depressed and anxious because of like the lack of this um, hormone. It also, oxytocin keeps us really connected with other people. It affirms our attachment to one another. But yes, in, in sex, we, you know, when good sex, especially, we have that in spades. So thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. Now it's time for a quick break. And after the break, we're going to be chatting about how starting a new relationship before healing can affect your future. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 with me, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, joined by a psychologist and my friend, Dr. Nancy Lee. We are getting back to our discussion on um, beginning new relationships before healing from past trauma, but I just wanted to um, go into one more thing. Okay. Forgiveness. I think it's so important. Forgiveness. Some of us tend to blame ourselves for what happened in the relationship. And something that I learned recently uh, from a personal experience that I have uh, or had is, is if you blame yourself for the behavior, okay, this isn't me personally, but I was reflecting on someone else. So if you blame yourself for the behavior and the choices of others, it's impossible to heal from the scars left behind from those choices. You know, you you begin to live in this constant doubt of yourself and you begin to feel as though you can't do anything right. You know, you may fear being in this new relationship and, and worry that you're going to be the one that's always screwing up 
or you may feel alone in that relationship. And I feel like the only way to heal and move forward is to know and recognize where the blame truly lies. Do you agree with this, Dr. Nancy? I am so glad you brought that up, Laura, because it's so universal. Women in particular blame themselves for almost everything that goes wrong in a relationship. Men don't. So this divides by gender, which I find really fascinating. There's even a term for it in psychology, personalization, where we blame ourselves for like whatever went wrong. Um, And the way this is going to play out is that especially if your personality, I'm not saying you, Laura, but anybody listening, the imperial you, right? So if somebody has a personality where they're very perfectionistic, they have high standards, they're a giver, right? Oversimplified, but there's givers and takers in relationships. But they're giving, giving, giving. In their past relationship, though, they gave so much that their own needs, like, were never really, or or were rarely considered. They were always giving. They always felt they had to be, quote, unquote, perfect. Um, They had, they made at, like, almost impossible standards for themselves. And let's put them Let's just say that they were the ones, excuse, you know, lack of a better word, who were dumped, okay? Um, They wanted the relationship to continue, but their partners basically left the relationship. Flash forward in a new relationship, they, you, you really, you know, when I say they or you, whoever is listening, really want to, like, let go of a lot of that people please, you know, especially the people pleasing and the need for for perfection. You want to start, one way to get over that is to start thinking, I want to please myself. My needs matter. I don't have to be perfect. I want to see what am, not always, what am I bringing to the relationship? What am I receiving? So it's a way of getting a, you know, part of healing from a past relationship, depending on what the situation was. Sometimes it's traumatic, sometimes it's not. But it's also important to really like stretch our comfort zone, especially, and, and I say comfort zone air quotes here, right? Quote unquote comfort zone, because our comfort zone doesn't necessarily work for us all the time. You know, maybe you were the one who cheated. Maybe you you were the one that was verbally abusive to your partners, regardless of what it was, you know, but maybe you were to blame, like, right? And if that's the case, I think it's important to just recognize and acknowledge those mistakes that you made and then, and maybe why you made them and maybe why you were in the wrong, like maybe you were, maybe you weren't. And, and I think by doing that as well, by, you know, self-reflecting, this is how you can begin moving forward and then avoid doing those things in future relationships. You agree with that too? I agree a hundred percent, especially if you're really wanting to bring your best self to a relationship. So Mm -hmm. I love your hypothetical about say that you were the one that cheated, right? You can sit there and blame your partner. Um, You can deny and say that it really was okay and you were maybe entitled to cheat and da-da-da-da-da. You weren't getting your quote-unquote needs met. You can have a million excuses, but when you turn around and bring your best self to a new relationship, boy, you better really dig deep and stop making excuses, excuses 
for hurtful behavior, for behavior that has hurt not only the relationship and your partner, but ultimately yourself. And that takes, it it does take, as you say, Laura, a lot of self-reflection. It takes a lot of bravery. It's much, quote unquote, easier to remain stuck but is that healthier? No. Like we all want to grow. We want we want great relationships, right? What's the? I mean, honestly, like it's much better, and research shows this as well. It's much better to be on one's own rather than to be in a stressful relationship without much affection. Oh. Amen to that. <laughs> right, I totally agree. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah oh, I, I hear that tone of I hear that tone of recognition there. And well, by you the, know what? And by the way, uh, also for listeners, I, I you know there's there's this connotation to oh I'm going to be al- alone, right? Like alone can be fantastic. <laughs> it can be inspiring, and you can feel joy and awe in your life alone or on one's own, being with a great partner, a partner who's compatible and compassionate and empathic and kind, and it's mutual, can help bring life to yet another level. It can make it fun and really lift lift us up. But on the darker end of it, a negative, traumatic relationship will do just the opposite. I don't want to say on the air like it'll make your life hell. I just said it. But oh. at, at one extreme, oh. it really and can sick. cause yeah, it, it illness can make in sick. the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went through and something. And in the mind, depression, where, anxiety. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All that good stuff. I went through, I went through something where I, I literally like felt sick for an entire month. Like it was in my belly. Right. So that's where I feel trauma in my belly and my back. And so I, I was a mess. I, <laughs> and then, you know, if that is going on, like you have to analyze your situation and go, is this worth it? You know, like, and, and try to fix it however best you can in whatever situation you're dealing with. Always look for answers. Always look for a way to fix it. Don't stay in that space. It's not healthy. We did not uh, discuss uh, beginning new relationships for healing uh, from past traumas, but we are going to do that in the next segment, Dr. Nancy. We'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I am having the most amazing conversation here with Dr. Nancy <laughs> Lee. Uh, we are just talking about, you know, new relationships and how we it's important to heal from past trauma, you know, before you get into a new relationship. So let's our, continue our conversation there. So, so many of us, right, we, we do, we get into new relationships and we haven't dealt with past relationship issues. Um, and I, I find it so toxic. So let's talk about some of the effects or consequences that can come from doing this, you know, when you haven't healed Okay, well, first of all, one, it's a great question, Laura, by the way. So one pretty immediate effect would be rushing in to the same 
type of relationship, okay? Um, as people, we tend, you know, we're creatures of habit, and that also works with our relationship MO. So if we haven't really buckled down and worked on ourselves, really looked at those dynamics of our past relationships, done some reading, talked to people, maybe kept a journal, um, healed from our pain, we may be choosing almost the exact same person with the same dynamics who hurt us before. You see this all the time with very empathetic women who be, are very susceptible to, I hate to say it, but to being manipulated or controlled by a man with narcissistic features. Um, you see that dynamic a lot. If you take a couple steps back after the end of your relationship, talk to a good therapist, really understand the dynamics involved, you'll be able to spot that new person coming who is really a version of your old of your old partner. So that's one way that healing is so important or one reason why healing is so important. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So what if you're in a relationship with someone who has emotional scars, you know, and they're resurfacing, you don't notice those scars early on. So, but you're in like a full blown relationship with this person. And now how do we deal with it when we are in this kind of situation? Lots of talking and compassion and kindness. So if you're the one where you're noticing your partner was really scarred, right? Maybe they experienced a lot of emotional manipulation or deceit, really part of the same thing, or gaslighting. You, you as a partner, want to give them a safe space to talk about what they're feeling, to talk about their past scars, their past trauma, the past toxicity, so that... You, you provide empathy and compassion, and again, you start to build trust with one another. That's uh, the trust is trust and safety in a relationship are so critical and so powerful. Who doesn't want to feel like our partner has our back? And that means that we can, we can really tell them anything. We can talk to them. They get it, or if they don't get it, by the way, you know what a really great response is? If you don't understand, you know what? I don't understand, but please help me understand. Don't pretend to understand something you don't. But this is, this is, this is what empathy is, is trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes emotionally. Kindness, empathy, so important in a relationship. It's important for healing. Um, it's just important. It's important in life, whether it's a romantic relationship or not. Yeah. Now, is this something that, so if this does happen later on in the relationship, is this something that that person who's dealing um, with these issues, is that something they have to work on first? So maybe take a step back from the relationship to work on it or just continue the relationship and just use a lot of open communication and hopefully your your new partner can can help you through your struggles. What do you think? You know, every situation is really different. So it I think a lot of it depends on the recipro reciprocity. 
So if, you know, you happen to draw a great lottery ticket and you're not being attracted to somebody who is, you know, providing these or not providing, but but who is giving off these same like vibes that are that really lured you in that can be negative relationship things. If you landed with a really good partner, then I'd say like go for it as the relationship continues, you know, talk things through, talk things out, communicate with one another. Um, but in other instances, if you're, you know, if any listener is, you know, reminded of recognizing this in yourself, like you're somebody who keeps, you know, you look at your relationships and you, you kind of go, oh my God, I'm dating the same version of this person over and over again, then it would really be to to step back um, and really get, you know, get some help exploring those dynamics before you dive into a new relationship because odds are you'll just keep choosing this, you know, that same negative person over mm-hmm. and over. So let's chat about how we can, okay, begin the healing process. So uh, what advice do you have for someone who's ready to heal? They're ready to move on. Where do they start? I think, you know, journaling is a really, you know, it's been shown with research to really help get clarity and put things in perspective. At the beginning, it's actually very painful to journal uh, because it, it can it, it can even invoke anxiety in us because we're journaling things that are negative and traumatic. But you, you take a step back from that and you look at what you wrote sometime later, whether it's weeks later or a couple months later, and it really helps provide clarity. Um, Also, you know, I mentioned just to come full circle with, with our interview, I mentioned at the beginning that loss is one of the most intense, painful emotions we'll ever experience. So if you find you're still in that pain mode, reminding yourself that the pain isn't going to last forever. You do another psychological strategy. Um, You want to embrace each day as a new beginning. If you are feeling depressed, you also want to embrace each relationship as a very new beginning. Don't get it muddled with past relationships. Um, it's, it's interesting in my book, I have in chapter eight, letting, letting go when and how to move on. I also have a, you know, a whole list of heart that, you know, 10 best heartbreak busters, which I go into, but, but those are just an example of some taking care of yourself, giving yourself, you know, often when we've really been burned in a relationship, we wake up in the morning with a sense of dread uh, because we're depressed. So making sure that you give yourself something to look forward to each day. I got in the habit of this and I, you know, I like to have an afternoon latte as simple as it sounds. That is like my, wow, that, that, you know, that gives me a little rush of even the anticipation, a little rush of dopamine, pleasure, neurotransmitter in my brain. By the way, anticipating sex makes us have this rush of pleasure as well. So for anybody thinking, oh, no, I'm going to sleep with that person right away. I know I digress. Incredible show, Dr. Nancy Lee. Where can people find you to to work with you? Okay, so remember DR. N-A-N-C-Y-L-E-E dot com is my website. My book is Don't Sleep With Him Yet, A Badass Guide to Dating in 10 Empowering Steps on Amazon. 
Thank you so much for joining us. And guys, I am, I've just launched in-person events again in Toronto. So check out Signal in the City. .ca for more information. Thank you for joining us this week and every other week. Ciao for now.